Well, I want you to open your Bibles this morning to 2 Peter. Uh, we have been walking through the book of 1 Peter for the last couple of weeks, and uh, for the last five weeks we've walked through the book of 1 Peter. Now we're moving into 2 Peter, and John, these screens down here are not on, and if you want me to finish before 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you're probably going to need to turn those on. Um, and the, the people are like, yes, we agree with that. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And so we've been walking through the book of uh, Second, First Peter. Now we're walking into Second Peter. Now these are the two books that the, the Apostle Peter, St. Peter, that we know him, that, that one disciple that, that certainly was right by Christ's side, that we read so much about in the Gospels. Uh, there's no doubt that he had a major impact in the Gospels, but... As we have read, as we have learned over the last five weeks, now moving into uh, this season, uh, the next couple of weeks, continuing to make a great impact in our lives, of being able to hear and understand that in the midst of suffering, as we've been talking about, that, that, that God is going to be faithful, that God is going to minister to us. In fact, last week in 1 Peter chapter 5, we, we read that part of the passage that, that God tells us that, that after we have suffered for a while, after we've gone through that season, that he will perfect us, that he will complete us, that he will set us on solid ground, and that we'll be able to move forward trusting, believing, knowing that God is by our side. What a great promise that is. And now we're going to walk into another great encouragement. And I think, again, Peter, in writing these letters, uh, had a very clear and a very specific statement to help us understand. He's talked about suffering and all the, the, the challenges that we go through in life. And now in 2 Peter, giving us the encouragement of how we can stand strong, of how we can know without any doubt, without any question, that all of the things that we've read in 1 Peter are, number one, absolutely true, but number two, that we have a great hope, a great promise, and a great word to hang on to. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. And I want to give you our, our key verses for the next couple of weeks for this uh, series through the book of 2 Peter. And it's out of 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. And that verse is going to be on your screen. I want to read it out now. It says this, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. Now, I know when you read that passage, when you read that verse, man, we, it tells us very clearly a great statement. We have been given all things. Now, there are people in our culture today that would pervert that statement. They would say that that's a statement that should lend itself towards a prosperity theme, a prosperity gospel, that, that we should get whatever we want, that we should get all things, and we should have this and have money and have power and have cars and have houses. That is not at all what God is talking about through His Word. What he's telling us through his word is that we have all things that we need. We have everything to make it. We have all the encouragement, all the peace, all the comfort, things that are far more important than, than material possessions, that we have been given all things. How? Through Jesus Christ. And so today, that's what we're going to do. We're going to walk through this passage. We're going to walk through the statements that we've read here that we're going to continue to read. Now, we're going to walk through every single verse uh, in 2 Peter, uh, chapters 1, 2, and 3, we're going to walk them through because I believe firmly that if we can grab a hold of the truths that are found there, especially in our culture today, which, by the way, is a culture that is full of false doctrine, a culture that is full of deception, a culture that is full of, of, of teachers who are trying to teach the things that are wrong, that have come up with these new ideas, these new uh, thoughts, these new perceptions to lead people astray, to, to take them off away from 
truth, which, by the way, as you know, the, you know, the person who has kind of established that whole thing is Satan himself. The Bible very clearly tells us, and we read it last week, that he is like walking around, prowling around, seeking whom he may devour. And one way that he does that, certainly for people of faith, is by allowing false teaching, false doctrine, lies, deception to sneak into even the church. And so that's why it's so important that we spend time in this book specifically because it deals with and talks about how we can stand firm, stand strong on truth. And I don't know about you, but I want to make sure that my life, I spend my life seeking after truth, not deception. That I want to run after what is real, what is accurate, what is directly from the heart of God, not from the heart of man and how to live and how to navigate the things of life. And so, we walk through this passage, and the first thing I want to give you right out front here is that Peter's giving us in this statement, the thing, that the underlying theme that we need to understand is that the door has been unlocked. The door has been unlocked in life. Now, today we're going to walk through, and as we see here in 2 Peter chapter 1, we already read the first couple of verses here. But I want to read the rest of this passage, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. It says this, Simon Peter, a bondservant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Listen to these words. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now listen, we could stop right there, and we could actually talk about that those four verses for the next three weeks. We could talk about it for the next three years, and it would be encouraging. That God has given to us everything that we need. That through His divine power, through His divine nature, that He has revealed to us what we need to know, what we need to understand, and how to walk through life, how to live in a world that is so messed up, a world that is so full of corruption, a world that is so full of lust and, and sin and deception and all of the things that we see every single day, that we can actually be partakers, which literally means this, is that we can actually receive that which is good because of God who has revealed it all to us. And so let's walk through, if we could, this first part of the passage here, as we see here what exactly what God has given to us in this statement. And I put in here kind of like a, a, a thing that we kind of hear about a lot and kind of we talk about in writing, you know, the who, what, when, where, how. And so I want to kind of walk you through the who, what, when, where, and how of Second Peter of how God has taken his divine nature and revealed to us everything that we need to know to live. And so let's start with the who. Let's start with the who. And who is it? It's to all who have claimed Christ. All of those who have claimed Christ. In other words, us. That is exactly what it is that God has given to us. Verse 1, Peter writing this statement, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ, and here it says, circle it there, to those who obtained like precious faith with with us by the righteousness of God uh, and Savior Jesus Christ. In other words, who is this trust, this promise, this, this commitment, this encouragement, who is it given to? Who is it given to? That was a question. Who is it given to? 
all of us, right? Those who've trusted Christ, who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died and that he rose again. And because we have believed that, because we have trusted in him, given our lives to him, committed our hearts to him, committed our future and our eternity to him, what is telling us here, Peter's right, listen, and so the Holy Spirit of God is giving me these words and he's giving them to you. He's giving these words to each and every one of you. It's not some secret thing. It's not like some secret handshake you got to have. You know, you got to know the handshake. You got to know all the wrist movement. No, no, it's not that. It's literally given to everyone who's ever believed in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now you think about that for a moment. Think about the fact that the God of the universe, the God who created everything that there is, that God knew that we were going to live in a world that, First Peter, full of suffering, Second Peter, is we're going to walk into a world that is full of deception, a world that is full of false teaching, a world that is full of, of leading people away from what is right and what is accurate and what is real, that God thought, for my children, I want to make sure I give to them everything that they need to know how to deal with this. That is a humbling thought. Because God didn't need to do that. Because, you know, God is God, right? We, we talked about that. Like God is God, we're not, right? We understand that. God is, is a supreme being. He is a divine being. He's omniscient and, and he's, you know, he's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. He's all of these things. And we are certainly, we're just frail human beings with all of our problems and our frailties. And we, we walk away from God. I was reading uh, just last night. Uh, finished up the book of, uh, of Deuteronomy and, and walking into the book of Joshua, read the, the first 13, 14 chapters of Joshua, and you see in there, man, how the, the people of Israel, even after all that God had done for them, they still couldn't get it. They still couldn't figure out that this God, we ought to just follow him no matter what. They kept messing up. And listen, let's be honest, so do we, right? Anybody here not mess up? Like everybody here, like, is anybody here that's like, like, man, you're just all cylinders. I've never messed up as it relates to walking with God. Now, I'm not asking for a show of hands, because if you were to raise your hand, I would be encouraging you to lie in church. We're not going to do that. Because we've all blown it. We've all messed up. But yet God said, I love them so much. I want to give to them everything that they're going to need. I want to give to them everything that is necessary for them to navigate this stuff called life. So who's the who? Well, it's all of those who have claimed Christ. Now, what did he give us? The second word here, what? Here's what he gave us. Everything we need to live. Now you think about that. He gave us everything that we need to live. Go back up in this passage. It tells us here in, in, verse, uh, in verse 3, as we read it, it says, As His divine power has given to us all things. All things. Now again, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but we've occasionally had the opportunity of coming across the word all as it relates to Scripture. And I've asked you the question before, like, what does all mean? And the only way to define all is what? All, right? I mean, that's all there is. Right? All you can, only way to define all is by saying, well, it's all. It's everything. And that's exactly what God gave to us. He gave to us all things, everything that we need to live. I know in your notes here it says verse 2, but it's actually in verse 3 there. In fact, I see now that there's mistakes in several others here. Uh, so let's just go ahead and fix that. Verse 3 there, and verse 4 there, and verse 2 and 3 there. So now we're, now we're correct, okay? So everything that we need to live, everything that we need to live, God has given to us. 
Now, I know that we've talked about it over the last couple of weeks. Sometimes we get to the place where we wonder, can I make it? Am I going to be able to make it through? Am I going to be able to succeed? Am I going to be able to navigate this thing called life? Because let's be honest, life's tough, right? Life is difficult. Life is full of challenges. Life is full of problems. Life is full of difficulties. We know it. We experience it. We live it every single day. And we find ourselves often, be honest with yourselves, often we find ourselves at the point where like, man, I don't know if I can do this. I, I don't know if I have what it takes. I, I don't know if I can make it through this because this is, this is big. This is a big deal. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it through. Hey, let me give you an encouragement today. God's word, not me, God's word says this. We have been given all things. Think about that. We have been given everything. Everything that you're going to need, everything that you're going to need to figure out, all of the situations, you're gonna, you've been given everything necessary to navigate those situations. So what have we been given? All those who claim Christ have been given everything that we need to live. Now, here's a cool one. The next word, when. So like sometimes we think, well, wait a minute, does that mean he's given us all things when we get to heaven? Well, certainly the answer would be yes, but that's not the exclusive answer. Again, let's go back to this passage. Peter writing this, this statement. So, when? Well, here it is. Now and for eternity. And you know what that means is this. It means that you've got it right now and there will never be an end. It means he's been given, he's given to you everything that you need for today. Oh, and by the way, it'll also be there for all of eternity. There will never be a moment for the rest of your existence on this earth and certainly your existence in heaven for eternity where God is not going to give to you everything that you need. Now, is that encouraging? Is that something that actually, you know, can like excites you, like, like fills you up with joy, with peace? With, man, it's like God's given me everything that I need to live, not only for today, but forever, for eternity. I'm never going to have to try to figure it out on my own. God has given me everything that I need. Man, that's awesome. That is so cool to think because we live in a culture today where we constantly believe we don't have enough. We constantly believe we don't have what it takes. We constantly believe we're not good enough. And yet God's word, again, don't take my word for it, God's word says, hey, you have been given all things. Man, what an encouragement. It tells us there he's been given, he's given to us all things. But it goes on to say this, that in verse 3, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Life and godliness. And so when you look at that statement, he's given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. What does that mean? Well, here's what it means. It means he's given to us everything that we need to navigate today. But it also means that he's given everything to us to figure out how to live for him. Because our ultimate purpose on this world, on this earth, you know what it is, right? To bring glory to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. When you go through that drive-thru, do it to the glory of God. Cameron, when you go out and get a hole-in-one, he got his first hole-in-one yesterday playing golf. When you go out and get that hole-in-one yesterday, you do that for the glory of God. And by the way, I hate you. Just saying. I'm just kidding. I, I love you. All to the glory of God. Everything that we do, we do to the glory of God. Why? Because God has given to us all things that pertain to life, 
difficult, problems, suffering, navigation, dealing with people, dealing with people that we don't get along with, people that we don't even like that much, people who get holes in one. We, we, he's given us everything we know how to deal with them here to deal with life, but he's also given us everything that we need to know how to not only live and walk through this life, but to do it honoring and bringing glory to God. Man, what an encouragement that is, because let me, let me just tell you, I don't know how to do it. I've tried, and I've blown it. There have been times where I've tried to figure out how to, how, you know, how to, to do things the right way, and man, I've messed it up big time. There have been times that I've tried to, to take whatever talents that I have and whatever things that maybe God has given to me, and I've tried to figure out how I can do things, and I've tried to navigate and work out and come up with ideas and plans and things and moving forward. And man, they fail miserably. You know why? Because oftentimes when we try to navigate life, sometimes we do it to bring glory to ourselves. And I think everybody in this room probably has been through a moment like that. Where everybody in this room, at some point in your life, like, like you've wanted to even do good things, the right thing, but you've done it for the wrong motivation. Like, I want to do this to bring glory and honor to me. And when we do that, here's what happens. Man, we fall flat on our face, don't we? Man, we mess it up miserably. We blow it. We, we tear it up. I mean, it's just, we don't do it well. Why? Because we're not here to bring glory to ourselves. God did not create us to lift ourselves up. God created us to bring glory and honor to Him. And so we recognize and we understand that God has given to us everything that is needed. And that's so important because here's the deal. We don't know how to do that. I don't know how to live my life in everything that I do to bring honor and glory to God. I don't know how to navigate like the stuff of life and make sure that in everything I'm doing it to honor God in the way that I deal with people and honor God the way that I deal with conflict and honor God with the way that I, I deal with problems and, and honor God in the way you deal with financial difficulty and honor God in, in how we deal with, with, with situations and issues where, where people are not treating us right. I don't know how to do that on my own. I, I mean, I was not born with that idea. And I don't think any of you were born with that either, right? But God has given to us all things, everything that we need that it deals with that pertains to life and godliness. So when, now, and for eternity, you've got everything you need. That's good news. The next word, where. Where? Well, here it is. In every aspect of life. In every aspect of life. Now what that means, good times, bad times. Difficult moments, mountaintop moments. Experiences that like are incredible, and those moments that break your heart. God has given you everything that you need to navigate, to move through, to walk through those moments. And man, we need that so badly. Because the one thing, the older I get, the older I get, the one thing I've learned is this. There seem to be more valley experiences than mountaintop experiences. There seem to be more moments of difficulty than there are moments of like celebration and, and joy. There seems to be like more moments where we're trying to figure out like how I'm going to make it than there are moments like, man, I have made it. Why? Because life is tough. Let's be honest. Life is difficult. You know that, that old statement, I said it last week. Dad said it so many times through the years where he made that statement. You're either in trouble, just got out of trouble, or you'll get the phone call this afternoon. I mean, that's what life is, right? That passage we read, life is short and full of troubles, right? 
And so we need to recognize that, that when we come to this idea that God has given to us all things that we need that pertain to life and to godliness, that we are partakers in his great truth. Why? In every aspect of life, God has promised, I will be there. Again, I was reading Joshua last night. And in that passage, I can't tell you how many times that the children of Israel, Joshua, was, was reminded of the great promise, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged when you go up against that great fortified city of Jericho. Don't worry about it. In fact, God told him, just go march around it a couple of times, right? Just go out there on the first day. Just walk around, be quiet, don't say anything. Can you imagine how they were mocked that day? Can you imagine the people of Jericho looking down and saying, look at these idiots, man. They're just walking around and being quiet and blowing the horn. I mean, what's all that about? Second day, third day, fourth day fifth day, sixth day. You know what happened on the sixth day? The army of Jericho, man, they had left their their, their spears and their arrows and their bows. They left them at home. They they left them on the shelf. They they just got up. They just walked out there. They probably brought their cameras out to take pictures. They were taking selfies with the children of Israel walking around being quiet around the city of Jericho. The seventh day, they probably invited friends over. They had, here's what they had. They had the little pop-up tents on top of the wall. They had the pop-up tents, they had their Yeti coolers, and they were sitting there, you know, drinking Diet Cokes and Mountain Dews and Cokes, and, and they were looking down, watching the children of Israel walk around one time. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're doing it again. This is crazy. Third time. Wow, look, they're doing it three, four times, five times, six times. They were having a blast watching these dummies walk around that until, until God delivered. And when God delivered the walls where they were seated where their pop-up tents were, where their Yeti coolers were, where they had their lawn chairs out there probably shooting off fireworks and then their sparklers having a great time, and all of a sudden the walls came tumbling down. Why? Because when God says and gives a promise, you can count on it, God will deliver. And God tells us in all things, in everything, in everything, you've been given what you need to figure it out. So, the what, the who, the what, the when, the where. So what's the how? Here's the how. Through the gift of Christ. Because of what Christ has done, we've been given all things. Because Christ came to this earth and died on the cross, because he was buried and because he rose again, here's what happened. God gave to us all things through his son Jesus. John chapter 14 verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. It is through Christ and Christ alone that the blessings, that the the incredible pouring out of the favor of God, it all came through the gift of Jesus Christ. So there you have it. You've got the who, the what, the when, the where, and the how. And that door of figuring out how to navigate life, that door has been swung wide open when Jesus stretched his arms out on that cross, when he walked out of that tomb victorious over sin, Satan, and the grave. And so what is our response? Like, what do we do with that? Well, here's what we do. Walk through it. Walk through the door. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. But also for this very reason, listen to what it says, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. To brotherly kindness, love. 
For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. So, understanding this, we have been given everything that we need to live, but, I'm putting a but with four exclamation points, but it requires action. It requires us to do something with that knowledge. It requires us to do something with what God has so incredibly lavishly poured out into our lives. So we have a duty, we have a responsibility. Go back to this passage. So for this very reason, what very reason? The fact that God has given you all things that you need to know how to navigate life, because he's given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Because of that, for that very reason, here's what we do. You've got to make sure that in your faith, here's what you do. Add to your faith virtue. To virtue, to knowledge. Knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance. Perseverance, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, love. You know what all those things are? Those are these things. Those are actions. Those are things that we have deliberately, we've got to deliberately do because God has poured out his love and his power and his presence in our lives. We have to do something with it. So we've been given everything that we need to live, but we cannot sit on the couch and expect everything to go well. We've been given everything that we need to live, but it requires action. Now, here's the one thing we've got to recognize. The gift of salvation is not earned. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that. It's not because of what we've done. It's because of not something that we have accomplished. It's not because we're good, because we're good people or smart people or active people. No, 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 no. The gift of salvation is not earned, but it should push us to work. So you recognize the connection, the the, the relationship between the free gift of salvation and our response. God gave to us the free gift of salvation, and our natural response is because of that, for this very reason, God's Word says in 2 Peter, here's what you ought to do. Work. Do something. Get active. Get involved. Serve God. Glorify God. Walk with God. Minister for God. Reach people for God. Today as we're gathered here. A bunch of men that we talked about last week, they got in a van on Saturday morning, and they've been driving, like right now, they're in Jackson, Tennessee, they're on their way to Oklahoma, and when they arrive in Oklahoma tonight, they're going to spend the entire next eight, nine days working to be the hands and feet of Christ to a community that desperately needs help. They're working. Now, is that a connection to their salvation? Absolutely not. They could have stayed home and done nothing. And they still could have been partakers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But here's what they did. They're working. They're doing something. They're trying to accomplish something. Why? Because of the free gift that we've been given. Because of this very thing that we're talking about here. Because of all that God has given to us. It ought to drive us to do something different. And so it should push us to works. Why? Because when we do not act, we do not thrive. When we do not serve, we do not grow. When we do not trust God to give us what we need to to go out there and to represent Him, then we're going to languish in our faith. Will we lose our faith? No. But boy, you'll be miserable because God has called us to do. 
And so Peter's telling us, listen, man, get out there and add to your faith so much more. Like put on top of, just pack on top of that faith that God has given to you. All of these things that he's given you to know how to work and how to live and, and how, to, how to live a life for God and add to it every single day. Why? Because it makes a difference. And in fact, not only does it make a difference, but as we continue looking through our notes here, the later it gets, the more important it becomes. And I don't know about you, but if you've spent time studying God's word, studying prophecy, man, we're getting ever closer, I believe, to the return of Christ. We're getting ever closer to that moment when all the church will be raptured up. And then that seven-year tribulation period will begin. We're getting ever closer. Now, listen, I'm not a you know, prophecy expert. I, I don't know all the ins and outs. I mean, you could study prophecy for, for decades and decades and still, like, like what does that mean? I mean, that, that promise you. You know, Tim LaHaye, who wrote all the great left-behind books, I'll never forget, uh, before he died, I was talking with him and, and his wife, Beverly, and, and we were just kind of joking around by all those left-behind books because they sold like millions and millions and millions. And he made a comment. It was kind of a joke, but so true. He said, yeah, I wrote all those books sold millions of copies, and I still don't know what's going on. Why? Because we can't understand it all. But here's what I do know. When you spend time studying the Word of God, getting to that, the, the, the idea of the end times and what is coming, man, when you look at rumors of wars and wars, you look at you know, the, 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 the false doctrines that will rise, and you look at all the things and the, the problems and the pains and all the things that the world's going to be full of, man, I'm going to tell you something. We have to be close, or I don't want to know what tomorrow holds. We've got to be close. And so the later it gets, the more important it becomes. Look what it says in verses 10 and following. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent, even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you'll never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. Though you know and are established in this present truth, yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent. Now, circle in your notes or in your Bible the word tent. Peter was not saying as long as I'm hanging out in this Coleman tent here. He's not saying, you know, I've got, I've got my tent set up here and I've got my little sleeping bag in here and I've got a, you know, a little gas grill out front where I can cook up hot dogs and steaks and all those things. That's not what he's talking about. As long as I'm in this tent, in other words, as long as I'm alive, he's talking about this body that he was walking in. As long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent. In other words, soon he will die, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. So what does that remind us of? What does that tell us? It tells us this, diligence requires discipline. If we're going to actually accomplish all that God wants us to accomplish, it actually takes hard work. I've told you before, I try to read the Bible through four times every year. I learned that from Charlie Harbin, who taught that many years ago, who did that for so many decades of his life, to read the Bible through four times a year. And let me know, that's tough. It's really tough when you get into Leviticus and Numbers. I just came through that just a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, it's a couple of days ago. It's tough. I mean, you, you, I'm just telling you, you know, spend, you know, read 16 chapters every day in Leviticus and find out how they split the carcass and they took the entrails and they throw them over here. I mean, it gets tough. 
But I'm going to tell you something. To be diligent in our walk with God requires discipline in our walk with God. Now, I'm not recommending all you got to go home and sit there and like read, you know, your Bible through. I'm not saying that you got to do that like every 90 days. I do that just because it's for me. But I am telling you this, you better be disciplined in your walk with God. A, a lackadaisical faith will never accomplish things of changing the world. Living a haphazard life for Christ will never accomplish great things for Christ. You've got to be disciplined. You've got to be diligent. You've got to be specific. You've got to work. You've got to, you know, stay there. Why? A great thing that kind of goes back to something you've probably heard before, right? Of understanding this. No pain, no gain. If we're going to grow in our faith, we actually have to do something that will lead us to growth, right? In other words, if you want to get fat, go out and eat pizzas every day. And you'll grow, right? So in other words, you eat and you grow. Well, let me just tell you something. You spend time in God's Word, you will grow. You spend time in prayer every day, you will grow. You spend time trusting God, walking with God, seeking the things of God, you will grow. Is it always easy? Absolutely not. But no pain, no gain. And I've never met a Christian in my life who would verbalize, hey, I'm a Christian, but I don't want to grow in my faith. Because all of us want to grow in our faith. Am I right about that? But it takes work. So we've got to make sure that we recognize how important it truly is. And why is it important? Well, here's why it's important. Because this is the real deal. Look what it says in verse 16 and following. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables. In other words, Peter said, we're not following deception here. We're not following cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we're eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son, he said, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have this prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved. And I would circle in your Bible your notes, moved by the Holy Spirit. In other words, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not something that some guy cooked up many years ago because it sounded good. The gospel of Jesus Christ came directly from God himself. And recognizing this is the real deal. This is important. This is big. There's so many things in life that don't matter at all. So many things in life that are a waste of time. So many things in life, it's like if you do it, nah, fine, but it really is not going to have that great of an impact. Let me just tell you something. The gospel makes an impact. The gospel is the real deal. It's a big deal, and we better be serious about walking with God and bringing glory and honor to God. These guys, Peter and all of his apostle friends, they saw it with their own eyes. And you say, well, wait a minute now. They saw it with their own eyes, but we haven't seen it with our eyes. So, like, what's the connection? Yes, you have. Because if you've ever come to the place where you've trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me just tell you something. You've seen it in a very real and a powerful, impactful way of being made a new creation. All the old passed away. Everything made new. If you've ever spent time reading God's Word, oh, you've seen it with your own eyes. If you've ever seen someone's life who was so far from God, radically transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, let me just tell you, you've seen it with your own eyes. The apostles don't have anything on us because we've seen it. 
They saw it with their own eyes. And as a result of that great man, that great thing, they recognized one great truth, that God sent his son. They recognized, they knew it, they saw it, they believed it, that God loved us so much that he gave his only son, Jesus. It doesn't make sense, but man, I'm sure glad that he did it. And that's what Peter's writing here. And here's the thing that's important. This truth will always be true. Next week, we're going to get into the false teachings. We're going to get into the false doctrines, the ideas, the things that the world is kind of throwing out there to, to pervert what we believe. And I'm going to tell you something. I had a Kevin Foster. I don't know if Kevin's here. It might be in the next service. But Kevin last night sent me a text late. I didn't, I didn't see it till this morning because I don't, I don't stay up till 3 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night like Kevin does. But I'm just kidding, Kevin. But Kevin sent me that text last night and talking about the importance of being involved in a local church. Of so many people today say, you know, I don't need church. I can just do this thing on my own. No, you can't. Because there is so much deception that is out there in this world. There are so many lies that are out there. It is so easily, easy to get blown about by every wind of doctrine. But you know what happens when you come together into a church like this one, and there are other ones too, in a church like this one, where we believe in the inerrancy, in the fallibility of Scripture, the infallibility of Scripture, that is an inspired of God, there's not a mistake in it. When we believe that, when we teach that, when we stand on firm and true doctrine, when we teach that doctrine and we're not ashamed of that doctrine, when we believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven and we teach it and we stand on it and we give it and we've been preaching it ever since 1956, when you come into a church like that, let me just tell you something. You will be made better and you will be made stronger. Is it important to be a part of a local church? You better believe that it is. Because if you do not, you go out there into a world where Satan is just like waiting for you to walk out the doors of this church saying, you know, I'm not going to come back next week. And he's like, oh boy, I got him now. Let me just tell you something. Don't let that happen. Because this, 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 not this building, not this church, not Thomas Road Baptist Church, this truth, the doctrine of the gospel of Jesus Christ, this will always be true. So stand firm. Stand strong. Don't let the world blow you about. Don't let the, the world push you away from believing like what you've always believed. Don't let the world tell you, you know what, that book over there, there's some truth in it, but nah, you know, that, that, right, that, that's just like hyperbole. That, that's just, you know, that doesn't, that's not real. That didn't really happen. Let me just tell you something. If God's word said it, it happened. You can count on it. And the minute that you start questioning the truth of God's word is the minute that you in your heart will begin to question the gospel. That you will begin to question what is true, what is real. The moment you begin questioning the word of God is the moment that you will be susceptible to all the false doctrine out there. And let me tell you what happens next. It's simple. It's easy. What happens next is just this, that you will set yourself onto a road that could very easily lead you to walk away from the only thing that you have ever seen, heard, of known that is 100% true. It is absolutely true. It will always be true. And buddy, you better stand on it. Because there's a world out there that is just dying to pull you away from what really matters. Don't let that happen. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for the truth of your word.
Thank you for the fact that we can stand firm in our belief and our convictions because of what you have given, what you have done, and what you have lavished on us as your children. Thank you, God. And God, I pray right now in this moment, Lord, speak to our hearts. Help us to, to redouble our commitment to walk with you, to stand firm in our trust and our faith and our belief in you. God, help us today to, to be completely committed Lord, because we know we live in a world that is constantly trying to pull us away. Don't let us get there. God, keep us close and help us to grow in our faith. And God, right now, if there's somebody who is just like on the cusp of their faith, like, like just about to make a decision, God, I pray, speak to their hearts, convict them today, pull them today directly to you and help them today that if they've never believed in you and trusted you as Lord and Savior, God, I pray that in this moment that they will do that and God will give you the praise. In a moment, we're going to stand, we're going to sing, our, our team is going to be gathered here, altar is going to be open. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me just tell you, right now here today, the most important thing that you will ever do is giving your life to Christ. Most important thing. The most important thing of making that decision. Yes, I believe. And if you've never done that, our team is here. We would love to talk with you about that. If you're here today and you've gotten away from God, you've, you've kind of gotten a little bit wishy-washy in your faith and you're not quite sure like what it means to follow after him, maybe today you need to come down and just spend some time talking with one of our team members and just be strengthened in your faith, encouraged in your faith, like reminded like why this is such a big deal. And so maybe today you need to come down here and just say, listen, let, let, let me talk about this a little bit. Maybe you want to come and leave a prayer request or come and join our church, come for baptism. Whatever God is speaking to you today, when we stand in a moment, I encourage you to step out, to come, and to let God continue to do that work that he wants to do. Remember what 2 Peter said? It said this, that he gives us all things that pertains to life and godliness. Today, you might need to be reminded of that great truth. Let's stand together. Let's sing these words. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for joining us here today. You know, at Thomas Road Baptist Church, since our very beginning, back in 1956, we've been about one thing and one thing only, and that is to bring the message of hope that comes through Jesus Christ to the world. And today, my friends, we recognize we live in a world that's messed up. We live in a world that's full of division and conflict and pain and sorrow. But Jesus came to this world not to bring division and sorrow, but to bring joy, to bring peace to bring hope. And today, that's the message that we want to share with you. And if you're watching this and you've never had the opportunity of, of connecting with him at that level, of understanding what it is that Jesus came to do, then I encourage you and I want to let you know the greatest news you'll ever hear. And that's this, God loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. In fact, he gave his only son, Jesus, to come to this earth to die on the cross, to pay for your sins and for my sins, to do for us what we never could do for ourselves. What an amazing gift that really is. God loves you. Christ died for you. But three days later, he rose again. And when he came out of that grave, he gives us victory over sin, over Satan, over the grave. He gives us the hope for eternity. But according to God's word, it's very clear. What we must do is believe. We must believe that Jesus is the son of God. We must believe that he died and that he rose again. And if we do that, according to Romans 10, 13, anyone, that means you, it means me, it means every person that has ever lived, 
anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I encourage you today to recognize that hope that comes through Jesus. And if you've never trusted him as your Lord and Savior, do so today, believing that he is who he said he is, that he did what he said that he did, calling on his name, and it'll change everything. That is the message that we share. It's a message that we want to take to the entire world. And today I would encourage you to connect with us, maybe even financially through a gift. You can help us to take this message around the world. I encourage you today to stand with us as we stand with truth, as we stand with hope to let the world know God loves. Thank you.